Totally Football Show, opening weekend in the Premier League in which the top two looked tip-top. Ashley Barnes went hip-hop. We discovered Carl Walker, proved to a fast runner. Norwich was not power. United made Lampard to Chelsea look frankly awful. And Watford failed to stare down the hungry seagulls. All of that and more getting discussed in today's Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hello, listener. Joining you and me today, we've got Matt Davis-Adams. Hello, James. Commentator for Chelsea TV. Mm. Man who's all over Chelsea, much like Man United were on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Story's back with us, Daniel. Good morning. Great to speak to you again, fresh from your trip to the King Power Stadium. Mm-hmm. And, hey, for the first time ever on the Totally Football Show, we've got Andy Murray joining us. Hi, James. Pleasure to be here. It's delightful to have you with us, Andy. You're the Andy Murray... The football journalist, Andy Murray. I am, unfortunately, not a professional tennis player. A qualified tennis coach, actually. Are you? I am, yes, indeed. Um, when I was younger, you can tell your mums and dads that you today you played tennis with Andy Murray. That That's goes down brilliant. quite well. So were you already a tennis coach when he was in his pomp? Yes, yeah. I'm can you imagine the kids' months. faces when they, when they turned up for their lesson after yeah, hearing yeah. it was with Andy Murray? And then the, and then the disappointment <laughs> when they see that it's, yeah. not, that it's not him. Yeah, indeed. I could give you countless anecdotes of uh, me and never having met Andy Murray. But uh, Have you not? No, unfortunately not. And I did. I did get. I did get his checks when he was a like top fifty junior in the world ITF. Arrived to my house. You know, it would say top fifty junior Columbia. I was like, Mum, I've not been to. I've been to Columbia recently, have I? But they would send you his winnings. They would send me his winnings because I was coaching for the LTA at the time and was on the kind of payroll yeah, yeah. and someone somewhere. Was it hard um, to cash them? Did they ever come up? <laughs> do, do you know what? I sent them. I did send them all back. The last one arrived when I was in my first week at, uh, at uni. My mum opened post and said, oh, you've had another check for, for the real Andy Murray. Because, yeah, my mum calls him the, the real Andy <laughs> Murray. She, she sent it back. First week at uni, you get like two and a half grand in the, in the post. Wow. Well, you've got a story to tell out of it, which is exactly. in many ways even more, more valuable. That's incredible. Very Listener, if, if you share a name with... <laughs> with somebody else who's really good at something and gets checks and that kind of thing. Do let us know, because that's a fascinating a potential theme for the future. Uh, today, we're very much about discussing the opening weekend. It's our, it's our kind of annual judge a book by the opening paragraph uh, day. I'm, I, for one, am looking forward to it. Shall we start at Old Trafford? You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Here's Rashford looking to make it three, and he has... United have scored twice in a matter of seconds. Slightly plaintive tones there. Matt Davis-Adams commentating on Sunday's game at Old Trafford. Man United 4, Chelsea 0. The first time Chelsea have conceded four goals in an August League game since Scooby-Doo began in 1969. Uh, Mukau asks, can you guys help me figure out if that was a stronger Man United or a weaker Chelsea. Well, uh, Matt, what did you think? Well, Chelsea might have got away with it were it not for those pesky kids in the uh, United side. I mean, it wasn't a 4-0 game. I don't think that. Uh, I think that's fair to say anybody who watched the game would, would say that Chelsea weren't four goals worse than United. They were the better team in the first half. Tammy Abraham hit the post in the first five minutes. Emerson hit the post after 1-0. But unfortunately, the defending was the big issue for Chelsea uh, after the break. And that's sort of highlighted by the fact that David Luiz isn't there anymore. They need a left-footed centre-half, definitely. But it's worth pointing out there were, there were positives for Chelsea to take from the game, which they obviously tried to do uh, afterwards. They were missing Tony Rudiger, Willian, a fully fit Kante, Hudson-Odoi and Loftus-Cheek. Now, Loftus-Cheek probably won't come back until next year. But those other players are all going to be starters in a few right. weeks' time. And Rudiger in particular is, is of vital importance to Chelsea this season. So I, I think there are things that Lampard can take away from the game. I think one of them would have been that he would have been better off starting Christian Pulisic than either Barkley or Mason Mount. Or um, Kurt Zuma. Yeah, or Kurt Zuma, quite. Three of the back four from last season weren't playing uh, and it showed at times in the second half. But but Credit United, he played really well after half-time, I thought. Daniel, uh, how excited should United fans be getting, given that this is exactly the kind of fixture that last few years they've really struggled in? Yeah, I think it, it's also fair to say that United have... I remember the, the season under Louis van Gaal when they won 
scored four in both their opening two games and kind of petered out thereafter. Uh, the the main positive were were the performances of the new signings, not just their qualities, but the kind of the freshness it felt that they brought to the team. You know, every time Aguirre headed the ball away, the United fans cheered. Every time Wan-Bissaka made a tackle, they cheered. Daniel James gets his goal. Rashford and Martial both, you know, score the first three goals between them, having kind of been forced together as, as this strike partnership that nobody really knows how they'll do. Uh, so, yeah, massive positives. But I honestly think that Wolves away next Monday will be a far bigger test than Chelsea were because they just they just kind of collapsed defensively. Mm. Um, and not for the first time of late, Matt. I know there's a limited amount of value in, in judging things from pre-season, but they had a series of games in which a goal went in and then was followed by a whole series of others. Yeah, this propensity to, to concede once and then concede two or three times more is a big issue. Um, whether you can say that, that a Rudiger is going to change all that massively, I'm not sure. But it's certainly something they need to need to be working on ahead of Wednesday, if they can, ideally. Right. Um, yeah, when you've just been torn apart on the counter, it's Liverpool's not the first team you necessarily want to be facing. No, absolutely not. And, and Liverpool had a, a relatively easy game on Friday night and Chelsea played and, and got hammered on Sunday so mm. I think in terms of the Super Cup you'd have to make Liverpool big favourites for that The Super Cup where does it stand in the kind of hierarchy of cup competitions is it sort of above the community shield but probably below finishing in the top four Yes perfect mm. Alright then Did you see this game? Andy? I did indeed um, I think the biggest surprise for, for me was quite how gung-ho and possibly naive Chelsea were under Lampard I mean it's great that like how progressive he wants them he wants them to play but the uh, United second goal uh, when Maguire wins the the ball I was looking at the at the replays yesterday and they had Chelsea had six outfield players in front of the ball when he when he won that so like there's no or like I don't think Kante was on the pitch then so as soon as you you know United spring that trap it is immediately, you know, four on four, almost five on four in their in their favour. You can't have like on the edge of the opposition penalty area six players in front of the of the ball at that stage. You're just going to get torn apart against as good a counter attacking team I think as United are. That's what they're good at. They're not good at you know breaking pack defences down. But if you give them you know open ground to to attack, then then as they showed yesterday, they cut you to shreds. Yeah, it wasn't the finest performance on the bench from Frank Lampard in terms of reactivity and I guess from what you're saying, Andy, then the way he set his team out. Yeah, I think there were there were two distinct problems really. The first is I would have started Olivia Giroud over over Tammy Abraham. If Abraham had been playing with Pulisic and with Hudson Odoi and with a full strength midfield with Kante there, fine, but I just it just felt like he was picking kids for kids' sake. Or as as Jose Mourinho said, who was watching Yeah, the team for tomorrow. Yeah, what, what does he mean by that? I think he means that um, Lampard has been brought in to kind of bring through this changing of the guard, but the reality is, is that you're judged on performances in every match. You're not, he is not going to be able to have a season where Chelsea finished 10th in the league because they've picked kids. I would have picked Olivia Giroud, Christian Pulisic. Um, it's very easy to say in hindsight that Kurt Zuma shouldn't have been picked, but, but another option was to pick Azpilicueta as a centre-back because at least he is an experienced defender in, in a position where they didn't have any. Right. Um, and also, I think there was not enough protection for that midfield. Neither Jorginho and Kovacic are protectors of a defence. Right, although Kante kind of is, though, and he was there. Yeah, but he but, only came on the bench, off the bench because he was injured. Yeah, right. he, he was not played. fit to start the game. Right. But, I mean, the reality is, is that if you, if you sell... David Luiz and make it very clear that you have publicly frozen David Luiz out of the club for a fee of only £8 million, he can both play centre-back very well and can also push into that defensive midfield role and protect a defence. Concerns for Chelsea then. As for United, brilliant opening result for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but you've immediately compared him to Van Gaal, which feels a little <laughs> bit unfair. Matt, Andy, have you, have you got some more positive spin for the Red Devils? Well, I mean, Solskjaer is the bookie's favourite to be the first manager to lose his job, so he's done a, a pretty good job in, in turning those odds around, if nothing else. The fact that he was able to integrate two new defenders into his back four and they kept a clean sheet will be a massive positive you, you'll remember they kept two at Old Trafford in the Premier League in the whole of last season so they're already halfway to that and it, Rashford and Martial in particular sort of swapping one going to the wing one going up front every so often seemed to work well for them um, it's big that they won given that they beat a, a top six top four rival and everybody else who finished in the top six won this weekend too. So yeah. there, there is reason for optimism. But Daniel's right. Wolves away on Monday is a, is a sticky looking game for them given they lost there in the FA Cup yeah. last can, season. Can almost kind of sum up the, sum up the match through, through Paul Pogba, I think. He ends the game with two assists. 
the pass for, for Marcus Rashford's second goal was, was beautiful, but he played really poorly. He didn't look interested really in the first half. Scott McTominay is kind of having to do both jobs as a sort of midfield shuttler, but also pushing forward because Pogba didn't really look like he fancied doing that. And they have to sort out that problem because that midfield, the way I see it, the Chelsea midfield that was picked yesterday, I think there are seven or eight better midfields in the Premier League than the one that Chelsea picked. And Wolves is one of them. So they have to get that right. It's nice to have a break from advertising. So here's some classical music. Nice. Hmm. At Paddy Power, we thought football shirts could use a break from advertising too. That's why we've sponsored Huddersfield Town's shirt without a logo and started the Save Our Shirt campaign where any football team that Paddy Power sponsor will be, well, unsponsored. <laughs> Don't you wish we weren't on your shirt too? Now, let's get Bark to the music. <laughs> Paddy Power, enough of the nonsense. 18 plus, begumbleaware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Last year's top two looking pretty good at the start of this campaign. Liverpool on Friday with a 4-1 win at home to Norwich. Man City Saturday lunchtime 5-0 away at West Ham. City were brutal. Andy, Liverpool less convincing on that performance? It's hard to say, isn't it? Like, obviously, it's 4-1, 4-0 at half-time. Um, I actually thought Norwich in the first half looked really good, um, certainly going forwards. Both fullbacks, Max Ahrens and Jamal Lewis, I thought looked really good uh, in an attacking sense. And I think even Lewis coped fairly well with uh, with Mo Salah at times uh, as well. Salah's goal was a bit of a pinball in the box and it just kind of fell to Firmino and they worked it quite well. Um, well also, they needed that own goal from Grant Hanley to, to get going. Exactly. You know, Divock Origi, sort of very definition of chaos theory out on the uh, on, on the left wing. Don't really know what's going what's gonna to happen. Ball in the box and hits a defender back in the Premier League for, for the first time in a long time. Possibly not used to that kind of intensity intensity straight on. I think that was kind of the symptomatic of Norwich's game, really. They just weren't quite expecting the sort of intense pressure that they were on the receiving end. But I think they actually played quite well. 12 shots to Liverpool's 15, created a couple of decent opportunities in the first half that they didn't take. And then when Puki takes his in the second half, it's game over already. Remarkable statistic, courtesy of Opta. Timu Puki has scored with his first shot on target in each of the last eight league seasons. That's across uh, Schalke, Celtic, Bromby, and now Norwich City. Extraordinary. Yeah. I, I feel I've probably been a little bit harsh saying Liverpool weren't all that convincing because a 4-1 opening weekend result's not bad. It's probably just the fact that you've got Man City continually setting the bar so very high. XG in that game was uh, 1.45 to 0.91. So what does that mean? So Liverpool, by right, should have scored 1.45 okay. goals. Norwich should have scored 0.91. So that Liverpool outscored their expected goals by nearly three. Right. Um, obviously, is what that, is an own goal? That's not a good thing, though, is it? It's not good. Well, it shows they're taking their chances, oh. but um, they're not necessarily creating the clear-cut chances that they did last season. OK. Uh, Greg Stevenson wants to know how vulnerable Liverpool might be left by Alisson's injury. This coming uh, towards the end of what had been a, a goal-tastic first half for Klopp's side. Alisson going down, feeling like he'd been hit in the back of the leg by something. And the, the word is that he might be out for, is it six weeks or, or, or mm. longer? That would be about right for that, for that type of injury. And, and that definitely seemed to deflate Liverpool when he went off. I think... Uh, one of the reasons we're looking at this as a kind of glass half empty thing is that they scored all the goals in the first half and Alisson got injured in the first half. If Alisson hadn't got injured and, and they'd scored four goals in the second half, we'd be saying, wow, they're back. They're doing just what they did last season. Whereas you look at it in reflection now and you think, well, it was so close between City and Liverpool last year. Should they really have scored another two or three goals in the second half? And, and that's not really realistic, is it? But yeah, Alisson, big miss. Uh, for them, definitely. But Adrian's a capable Premier League goalkeeper. They should be able to get away with it for a, for a few weeks. You'd rather him than Mignolet, I would suggest. Cy Lloyd saying, mad that Adrian and Alisson are Liverpool's two senior goalkeepers <laughs> instead of a couple from Doncaster that your parents befriended on that holiday to Mallorca when you were a kid. Simon Mignolet must be kicking himself, says everybody. He's just joined Club Brugge. Mm. Yeah, I think it probably does Simon Mignolet have a little bit of time out of the spotlight. Go back home to Belgium, do things, reset things. I think he's probably had his Liverpool time. 
Matt, are you going to be commentating on Liverpool's next game against Chelsea in Istanbul? Certainly am, yeah. Looking forward to it. It's a kind of weird. You, you, you never really know how seriously to take the Super Cup, but it's um, Chelsea against Liverpool, so there'll be well, that's always a big, highly competitive element to it. it does, is there extra pressure on Frank because of Sunday's uh, woeful scoreline? Uh, honestly, I genuinely don't think there is. Uh, I was at Cobham on Friday uh, to have a look at training and say hello and, and watch his press conference, which he dealt with exceptionally well and, and I think there is a, a reality about the situation at Chelsea which there hasn't been for a few years in that he started three kids from the academy out of necessity as much as it was out of desire maybe you could say Giro over Abraham as it was the questionable call out of those but it's not realistic to expect Chelsea to be the best of the rest like they were last year I don't think and I think people are, are coming to terms with that inside the club and he's got so much credit in the bank with the supporters that's not going to be an issue Michael Cox last Monday predicting that Chelsea were the most likely of the big sides to drop out of the top six what do you say to that? Uh, I can see why he's making that case I would say that we need to be careful about thinking Manchester United are suddenly 1999 Manchester United because they've won one game um, so we'll see how they get on uh, Arsenal look significantly better than they did a couple of weeks ago uh, but you know it's it's the first game of the season let's have a look how Chelsea doing in a month and we'll get a, a better read but it's a big thing that they haven't been able to to buy anybody in to replace the players who've gone and and David Luiz leaving in the circumstances that he did very strange circumstances is, is a big blow for them do you miss him Matt yeah yeah he's just a funny guy you know he's got what's the funniest thing he ever did uh uh, we did a feature where uh he was trying to do some basketball trick shot in in association with like an nba partnership thing and he couldn't do it and uh one of our poor camera guys had to stay out with him for i think it was about two hours in the end until he did it because he just wanted to do it and it, it ended with him lying on his back on the floor screaming at the sky why can't i make this happen god uh and eventually he did get it in but oh, yeah, nice. it took a long time wow you went with something outside of a football match yeah. Surprised <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway right okay let's talk about man city then who stormed to that 5-0 win at the london stadium uh, a sterling performance in particular from new boy Rodri. Pep's really big on Rodri. Why is he so excited? Uh, basically, Pep and I think half of Spain think uh, think that Rodri is uh, kind of the new Busquets, basically. Um, so gets the ball, plays it simple, five yards, breaks a play up, gets around the pitch pretty easily. I actually think his first, uh, his first 20 minutes, he looked a bit nervy and uh, he's not going to get one thing with him. He's not going to get the same level of time with the ball from the defence and playing it out as he did at Atletico and for, and for Villarreal before that. Actually, a, a couple of times he seemed to be kind of on the same passing line as the defence. So the ball was coming straight to him, meaning that it was very difficult to actually turn with it um, and would have to just go straight back to the same centre-back and then start again. Um, so... Uh, that's something to work on but then kind of as the game opened up he was you know every inch I think the the player that Pep wants him wants him to be an impressive individual off the field as well I read very much so yes uh, no tattoos was once asked you know why don't you have it you know footballers have loads of tattoos why why do you have them I think they're ugly there you go particularly on the neck I feel <laughs> Yeah, I'd yeah. go along with that. Roberto Firmino's got a new one kind of going up the back of his the back of his neck, which like sprouting from the top of his shirt, which looks very strange. Right. Um, but yeah, he um, he actually Rodri actually lived in halls of residence when he first uh, joined uh, Villarreal. He was doing a, a like a business administration degree. Decided instead of you know using his actual money to live somewhere nice, right. not that you, you, uh, halls of residence aren't nice. Decided he wanted to live in uh, in halls at uh, the University of Castellón. Wow, knows how to keep it tight then. I guess that's a positive for, for for Man City. Any positives that West Ham can take from this 5-0 drubbing? No. Not really. We said last Thursday on the preview show that they've got a top six or maybe even top four front five, but they've got a defence of which Issa Diop is kind of looking around as if say, is anyone going to help me out? Bal- Balbuena started last season really well, tailed off. I'm not sure Ryan Fredericks is a, a top six hopeful right back. I'm not sure Aaron Cresswell anymore is a top six hopeful left back. <sighs> and Declan Rice in midfield. Jack Wilshere's being played to get his match fitness up so he can be the answer. He can be the replacement to Mark Noble. But 
if Wilshire pushes forward, it's basically rice stick in, mid- in midfield, and they just got, you know, against Manchester City, you just get overrun if you do that. Mm. Luckily, there's only one more game against Man City this season. That's one positive because City always seem to put four or five mm. past them, Matt. Yes, particularly at London Stadium where uh, apparently they are responsible for 8% of the Premier League goals that have been scored by anybody, including West Ham. So 8% of all the goals scored by anybody, including the home side at the London Stadium, have actually been scored by Man City. That's remarkable. If you like that kind of thing, Matt, then I'm not sure if you spotted this from our friend Duncan Alexander, who after... Liverpool's clash with Norwich on Friday tweeted that 0.24%, so a quarter of a percent of all the goals ever scored in the entire history of the Premier League, all the way back to 92, have come in games between Liverpool and Norwich. It must be great being oily, so you can just put stuff like that out and no one will ever check. because you're, <laughs> it's, I think it's a remarkable stat, but I'm not sure. Anyway, speaking of uh, having great success playing in London... Uh, we're heading towards our first Totally Football Live of the new season. <laughs> Watford or Notford, naughty Sven stories, the most niche stats of the season, dirtiest players, Pat Nevin DJing, and that awkward bit at the end with photographs. If you fancy spending your money on seeing moments like that and more, then do make sure you join us. It's going to be at the South Bank Centre on Monday, September the 30th, when I'll be joined by Duncan Alexander, uh, James Horncastle and Julian Laurence. Uh, from our new Tuesday Totally European show. Monday, September the 30th, do get your tickets right now at southbankcentre.co.uk and search for Totally Football Show. Super. Up next, Miller time. One of the many exciting acquisitions uh, visitors are greeted by when they arrive at our new premises. Situated right underneath a big map of football with blinking red lights on it is Nick Miller, mastermind of our new website, totallyfootballshow.com. Nick, you've just joined us, as you know. What's going on this week? I like mastermind. That's good. I'm going to get some business cards printed up with mastermind of the totallyfootballshow.com. Yes, totallyfootballshow.com. It's our new website. It's very nice. It's very shiny. A number of pieces. Tease us with some of the delights we can find therein. Glad you asked, James. (laughs) This week, uh, we've got, there's a piece about Raheem Sterling and how he is somehow improving, um, despite being the best players in the Premier League last season. Uh, And later on this week, there's going to be a piece about uh, Adriano, specifically uh, focused on a a game we played against Udinese and scored a couple of amazing goals. What an incredible story. I mean, why why haven't they made a film of that man's career? Well, I mean, it's possibly because it might be quite sad film. Well, that's true. Um, And, you know, people, people prefer... Uh, the uplifting stories, perhaps, but um, although I suppose you could you could make an uplifting story about uh, Adriano, about his kind of incredible talent, rather than focusing on the. I suppose, and it's probably true that his kind of narrative arc hasn't completed. I mean, it clearly hasn't completed yet. So who knows? Uh, but anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. What else is on your website this week apart from that chapter of his incredible career? Uh, there's also going to be a piece about. Um, what happens when clubs disappear um, when when they go bankrupt which obviously in reference to what's happening with Barry and Bolton at the moment I've spoken to a couple of people who are involved in the kind of rising from the ashes of a couple of other clubs in the past like uh, Aldershot and Darlington right. um, and what happens to the fan bases what happens to the people that are fans and then get involved with the, the running of the club and how that affects them and the local area and uh, and the entire fan base. Right. Barry and Bolton. Bolton, who had to field the kids, all teenage side, was it, for the game with Coventry this weekend? Yeah, and they managed to get a draw, which is, you know, one of the most incredible results of the weekend, I would have thought. Barry, um, at the time of recording, their, their game on the schedule for Tuesday night, I think, has been postponed. It's not looking great for them going forwards. I think if... Um, if they don't get everything resolved in the next week, 10 days or so, then there's a very real chance that they could disappear completely. Um, who knows what, what will happen after that. But they have had these deadlines so often and they haven't met them that it's you know, I'm not particularly optimistic for their chances. All right. Well, more about clubs in that kind of difficulty on the website, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Uh, and, and more indeed about all this kind of thing, uh, in the Totally Football League show on Wednesday, along with hopefully some happy news about other clubs. Although probably not Nottingham Forest. Got a draw, mate. Don't Did you get a draw? Me? Okay, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> up next Good for as us. Fair assumption, though. <laughs> up next on this edition of the Totally Football Show, Brighton Rock. Listeners, if you love football and beer, 
then you're going to love football and free beer. That's right. We've teamed up once again with Beer 52 for the start of this new season. And it's so simple. If you sign up at beer52.com forward slash football, you'll get yourself a case of free beer. All you need to do is pay £4.95 for next day delivery. And if you do it before August the 25th, you get an extra two bottles. So that's 10 free bottles in total. Beer 52 is the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club, searching out incredible and exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest breweries. Every month's crate focuses on a different country or theme, and this month they're featuring the best of some of Britain's independent breweries, with drinks like Magic Rock 6% Surreal Stout, the Mango Milkshake IPA by Tiny Rebel, and, in a topical nod to Christian Pulisic, Yankee and Kraut's Eden Pale Ale nice. There's no minimum commitment, so you can just take the free case, try the beers and see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause or cancel your subscription at any time. So head to beer52.com forward slash football and claim your free case of craft beer today. That's beer52.com forward slash football. Most impressive result I put it to you of the weekend was Brighton at Watford. Matt, I don't know if you saw those reports last week of uh, tests on seagulls, that, you know, there's been this kind of avian plague of holidaymakers seeing their fish and chips snatched by airborne, uh, you know, uh, assaults. And the white-coated boffins under test conditions found that if you stare down seagulls, if you basically just stare them out, they don't like it. Right, so that gets rid of them. But if they're above you, eyeing up Well, I think they chips. have to come down to take the fish and chips. And at that point, you just glare at them. Right, OK. So it's not a swoop from nowhere straight into In the, the adverts, chips. it is a swoop, to be right, fair. When yeah. I've se- the only time I've ever seen this is in adverts. And then it very much is a swoop. When I was at 442, we interviewed, uh, I went to interview Glenn Murray and uh, oh. uh, did a kind of photo shoot of, of him with a tray of chips sort of cowering from fo- late, latterly photoshopped uh, seagulls. Oh, right. Um, and uh, while he was do- doing it, one of, the, one of the things he said, I really, really hate birds. I'm scared of all birds. Really? I wonder what that's... It's called a kind of aviophobia or something, something like that. that. I mean, Brighton is surely not the place to go and live if you're scared of birds, but that's I mean... you so know. true. Wow. Uh, anyway, uh, Watford uh, will have a, uh, a certain amount of caution next time they face the Seagulls <laughs> after this 3-0 defeat at home. Second straight year, curiously, the Seagulls have begun their campaign away at Vicarage Road. Last year, they lost 2-0. Didn't have a single shot, I think, in the, in the game. It was a performance that presaged a dismal campaign. This time around, they uh, they did one on Watford from a great height. So, a, a revelation really from Grand Boss's side. Yeah, their highest, their joint highest ever away top flight win. Uh, wow. This was. I mean, they haven't had a huge history of top flight football, but yeah, three 0 the, the most promising thing for for Potter was firstly how quickly Brighton adapted to playing three at the back, which is his his three four two one. This kind of preferred formation. Dan Byrne came into the team because Adam Webster wasn't quite ready and was was brilliant and had been a pretty you know, pretty emphatic backup until that point. So that's great. But also, I think the main thing is, and hearing Brighton supporters talk, is that last season, Hewton's biggest problem was that he was so risk-averse, so safety-first, that as soon as Brighton went into a lead, they basically shut up shop, left Glenn Murray up front and left him isolated. This time, Murray comes off, Lacardia comes off, but two strikers come on and both of them score within 15 minutes. Right. And rather than sitting back and inviting pressure, which Brighton aren't good enough to to deflect they go and win 3-0 right is this a sustainable beginning do you think Matt? I, I hope so I think everybody who is neutral wants Graham Potter to do well he seems like a, a nice fellow interesting bloke as well with you know all the ballet performances and, and various things that he's employed at various other places people reference that but what did it actually entail uh, wasn't it just putting on a, a, a ballet performance for the Osterson supporters to show right that uh, they can do ballet like- Right, Swan Lake, among others. So he also set up uh, rock concerts for them to perform in. There's something else as well. I can't remember for the life of me uh, what it was uh, now. But yeah, he's got a master's in uh, leadership and emotional intelligence. So does this kind of thing. Andy, you in your 442 guide to the season predicted which team would... (laughs) Finish bottom of the table? Uh, I, can't, I can't remember for the life of me now. <laughs> well, let me help you out because it was Brighton. I Indeed. mean, it's early days. There's only one one game in. 
So, uh, but you know, have you changed your mind? Or I mean, the what were the what were the things that made you think they were going to be? They the look worst? fabulous. Um, I, the I thought Lewis Dunk's uh, pass for I think it was Morpy's uh, goal. I mean, like that was. You, know, you talk about you know one pass getting out for sort of four defenders, but that was pretty much a pass that went through an entire team. Um, you know, uh, I haven't seen a pass that good since. Kaká to Crespo in the 2005 Champions League final. I'll be honest, I didn't think that, uh, that he had that in his locker. Mm. Um, as Daniel said, they they just went for the that they went for the jugular to to such an extent was uh, was was very impressive. They'd won uh, three of their last 32 away, um, so to then start the kind of new season that well is uh, is, is is phenomenal. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's it's one game, but Potter clearly knows how to set up a team and, and coach it to how he wants them to play right it's largely the same group of players that Hooten had to which means you've got a bunch of people yeah. ready to come in who could possibly make them even more exciting didn't any new signings yeah they yeah. Mope Webster Moy all, all started on the bench but I think it, they look to have had a much better transfer window than any of the others that they've had in their time as a Premier League club and you think of the players that they've brought in um, Johan Bash and, and Lacardia and people like this who haven't really done much but, but to be able to leave Mope Webster, Moy on the bench, have them come in on Moy's alone signing, so risk-free. Mopé, 25 goals in the Championship last season, and maybe even more significant than that, they kept Lewis Dunk, who obviously had a role in creating a goal, but is such a vital um, defender for them that for the last couple of transfer windows, I've been looking at Brighton's business and thinking, if it carries like this, they'll slide back into the Championship. But it looks as though they've rectified that. So yeah, they've got West Ham at home next weekend as well, so a really good opportunity for them to, to make it two wins from two. Start of the season. Right. Watford, on the other hand, crikey. Yeah, also because they finished the last campaign in rotten form, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, I was going to say, Watford had a really good start to last season, but the cup run completely overshadowed a pretty dismal winter onwards. They took 32 points in the last 28 games last season, Watford, which is just above relegation form in the last few seasons. Uh, but they haven't kept a clean sheet since February, and they only bought Craig Dawson, who played. Uh, and they just look dismal. I mean, Gracia said after the game that like, maybe this is a, you know, maybe this is the the wake up call we needed. But that's a pretty generous PR spin on getting humped three 0 at home by a team that some people think will go down. Right. Are you suggesting that Watford made Brighton look good? Uh, they everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, but Brighton, you know, fair play. That they, they were more aggressive than Watford thought they would be. Potter's big thing is about being more aggressive off the ball because Hewton were quite it was quite a passive team last season. They just invited pressure and tried to do it go on the counter. And I think Watford were just surprised by that. They looked a bit spooked. Okay, uh, this just in from our production department. Ornithophobia is the fear of birds. Mm. And Nick Miller uh, contributes that uh, Adele is another one who's also terrified of seagulls. Adele. So Savi Gracia. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after this, we'll have a chat about oh, uh, Aston Villa against Spurs and the Arsenal game. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. No, 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 no. Jack Grealish has just become the first player to lose 19 Premier League games in a row. That was in Aston Villa's defeat at the what's it called now the Tottenham Stadium it's the to- just the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium Tottenham Hotspur yeah. Stadium on Saturday 3-1 that uh, Gareth Bale of course lost 24 in a row but I guess that was in all competitions uh, and w- was to go on to have a, a fine career but also similar haircut issues to Jack Grealish who I know you're not happy with Matt it, it's definitely an issue yeah I mean um, <laughs> I, I, I did tweet that it, it's a book in his haircut and I got some um, some stick from that from our own Carl Anker. I mean, I had that similar haircut to Jack Grealish, but it was 1995 and I was 13. It's like a kind of mushroom, centre parting, floppy, undercut shaved. Um, Quite Macaulay Cole. He's got slight edge of Macaulay Culkin. Bit of Culkin, but it's not. It's not um, appropriate in 2019 for (laughs) my. Okay. How worried should Villa be by Saturday's 3-1 defeat? not very, I would say. I mean, Spurs were really good in the second half. Spurs had like 31 shots in the game and most of them came in the second half. You know, they're, they're playing the team that got to the Champions League final last right. season. They're not, not going to have it this difficult every week. Right. Their, their shots came effectively after Eriksen came on the field. That's the way Spurs fans are talking about it. Predictable and slow before that and then afterwards, all over uh, their visitors. Is that fair? 
Yeah, um, what Ericsson does that nobody else does in the Spurs team, at least until Giovanni Di comes in the team, is he plays between those lines. He, he creates space for other people. Um, he didn't provide an assist, he didn't score a goal, but the game changed when he came on. And the other thing he does is it, it, it focuses Harry Kane's mind a bit. Until then, sometimes without Ericsson and, and Ali as well, Kane kind of feels like he has to do everything. So he's the kind of one-man band Roy race figure. He's crossing the ball, he's running down, he's playing passes, he's sprinting down the touch. He's trying to do everything. And it, it, it just becomes a little bit of jack-of-all-trades for Tottenham. But as soon as Ericsson's on the pitch, Kane knows when he gets a ball, as long as I make a run, I'm, I'm through. How long is Ericsson going to be there to do this for Spurs? My hunch, and it is just a hunch, is that um, they will find a way to keep him for this season and, and he'll leave on a free at the end of the season. And how much a replacement for him do you think Los Celso is? Uh, he's intended to be the replacement. Whether he's, I think Ericsson provides something unique in that Tottenham team. I think his, his consistency is an issue, but the way he can um, find space without being physically intimidating or particularly graceful is almost unique in the Premier League, I think. Nice opening goal in the meantime from another of the new signings, Ndombele. Watching Ndombele on Saturday, and Moussa Sissoko didn't play well, and did play well last season, but you really did look at the two and go, oh yeah, that's that's the player that Sissoko could be. That's the refined version of Sissoko. You worry for him. Unless he manages to get a spot at right back, which I touted last Monday, I think he just becomes a squad player. You also said, Daniel, last week that John McGinn would be the best player outside the top six. Uh, I said the best promoted player. I All think. right. You still well, say uh, he played well, so I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. Good uh, goal, no? He looked lively. He does everything. He really does everything. There is still, for all the massive overvaluation of Premier League players, there is still an incredible amount of value to be found in Scottish football. And he, him, and Kieran Tierney and Virgil Van Dijk, we're still seeing it now. He is the complete midfielder for a promoted club. Yeah. Virgil Van Dijk. We we kind of skim past this, but he's actually got as many Premier League goals now as Andriy Shevchenko. Wow. <laughs> Incredible stat. Incidentally, if you're interested in those runs of matches with the same result, we mentioned Grealish now on 19 in the Premier League with defeats, all defeats. The biggest uh, runs of all wins was Alexander Zinchenko. Of course, yeah, I mean, with Man City, that's uh, 14 out of 14. Uh, and most consecutive draws, uh, Jamie Keverley, 5 out of 5 for Blackburn and defeats. Oh, Jack Grealish previously had 16 out of 16 in 2015-2016. So, oh, of course, because that was when he was last here. Yes. And now he's continuing that run. Yes. OK. They do play I've Bournemouth just caught at up home. Everyone. They do play Bournemouth at home next weekend, so he will get the chance to... Brilliant. All right. Uh, Spurs, meanwhile, have a trip to the Etihad on Saturday. So that's fun. Matt, did you encounter the VAR team who did the Spurs game? I did, yeah, in uh, slightly strange circumstances. Uh, I was at Stockley Park, so we can tick off Stockley Park, has been mentioned in this podcast, as I'm sure it will be every week. On Saturday, uh, doing some EFL highlights, and I went to use the facilities and realised that uh, stood next to me was a chap in full referee's tracksuit, and it was indeed the VAR guy for the Spurs versus Aston Villa game. Did you have a chance to review his tackle? <laughs> I didn't, but producer Ben did say, I hope that he sprayed onside. <laughs> I thought it was particularly <laughs> Producer Ben. Okay then. Aston won at Newcastle, everybody. The graphic for this game was new arse and Daniel, you tweeted, that's what Aubameyang tore for the opposition. Mm. Base, top, isn't top it? Work. That's very Base, good. Yeah. <laughs> is it true, though? I mean, is it uh, he just scored. I was watching Leicester Wolves, so <laughs> I'm not really sure. But Newcastle, I thought, looked good in this game to my untutored eye. Uh, Steve Bruce certainly felt that way. Uh, Steve Bruce, who unleashed an extraordinary back heel. I saw that on the, on TV. It was magnificent. Like kind of not over the back of his uh, of his head because probably can't quite do that but it was behind him and uh, rather than turn around he stuck a yeah. leg out backwards it was a curious decision brilliant yeah and the ball I mean the ball disappears out of shot and possibly for instance James's as I well I think to just make contact with that is uh, that, that's chalked up as the winning still got book. it okay yeah. but anyway he was saying after the game that he felt the 1-0 defeat all came down to that one error when Dummett's pass went astray and, and uh, who's it Maitland Nars leapt onto it and uh, off goes the bummer Yang and uh, he doesn't miss. He's got a really good record, hasn't he, Aubameyang? 33 goals in 50 Premier League games. Only Salah's got more in the time since Aubameyang 
uh, made his debut and, and the strength of Arsenal's bench, goodness me, with, with Lacazette, Ceballos, Luis and Nicolas Pepe all, all starting mm. amongst the subs. Um, yeah, my opinion on Arsenal and what they can do this season is, has changed quite dramatically. Oh, really? Although, I mean, Newcastle could have could have taken the lead in that game with that uh, when, when John Joe Shelby whacked one off the, the frame of the goal. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, they, Arsenal won the game and, and the fact that they've got these players to come in should only strengthen them still further. Uh, Newcastle, the, the protest didn't seem to, to amount to much from the, the few missing supporters. Right. So to tell us a little bit more about the protest. Uh, what was you well, think, Daniel? Maybe yeah, 500 was... to 1,000 people didn't turn up? Uh, yeah, the official attendance was 47. So that's 3,500 empty seats. But um, yeah, it was the idea was that season ticket holders would, would not show. And it's a very difficult thing to organise because, as I think I've said on here before, if you don't go to the games, then in some ways you're making a point, but in some ways you're admitting defeat and you're saying, well, that's me done. And at a club like Newcastle, where the away support is so huge, if you give up your season ticket, you lose your away points, which means even if you get a season ticket again, you won't be able to go to any more away games because you, you reset to naught points. And you, you, some, for some games, they need 150, 160 points to get a, a ticket. So it's not easy. One more thing. Now we've d- covered all the top six clubs. I thought it was interesting this weekend. 22 English players starting for top six clubs this weekend, which I read was kind of the highest, I think, for 12 years. doesn't sound a lot. Well, that's so that's at 22 out of 66. So that's a third of all the players oh, yeah. for top six starters for top six clubs are English. And if you look at some of the names, you know, Reese Nelson, Joe Willock, Chant Alexander Arnold, there are young players in there. Now, new signings on the bench will probably come in and take a number of positions, but that's pretty good, I think. Yeah, Ashley Barnes there by Backer, celebrating the extraordinary uh, Claret centre-forward, who, of course, notched up another two goals this weekend as Burnley beat Southampton 3-0. Fantastic track. It's funny, you, you wait ages for a Burnley hip-hop track to come along, and then two at once, because, Matt, you were saying that uh, the, the splendid Atletico Mints have also created a Sean Dyche rap, which you, there you can hear it coming in there. And uh, it's better than the Ashley Barnes one. Let's have a listen. Squad. As pre-season beckons, it's time to remind you of the Burnley ethos. Time to provide you with a mantra that will get you through what may be a difficult season. Yeah, I feel I'd let it go. It might, might take that one. What, what about, if I may, Burnley's performance against Saints? The much-touted Southampton dispatched 3-0 by Burnley. Yeah, uh, Southampton actually started quite well from uh, from what I saw. They were pretty lively for an hour. Um, had a couple of decent chances. Uh, one fell to Redmond, uh, one to Adams, I think. The opener, Vestergaard, basically lost the ball, uh, kind of like high high diagonal you know trapped in the burnley wind and uh, and rain lost his footing and uh, and th- and then barnes shot early uh, and kind of went through went through angus gun right. um, he's outstanding in his field but then he is called barnes hey <laughs> very good sorry right. <laughs> um so i did, but burnley i mean took their chances they know exactly what they're obviously they still know exactly what they're about um eric peters got two assists um i didn't actually think that he would probably start for them at left back um i kind of thought that uh, that charlie taylor would probably carry on there peters felt like a kind of backup but um but you know two really good deliveries into into, into the box crosses and there Brilliant. you go excitingly deadline day saw burnley and danny drinkwater to their uh, lineup on loan. Apparently, he'd been at Chelsea. Is that right? Apparently so. Yeah, I did, didn't see much of him. I've got to say. Oh right, because I think you did see a lot of him. Is that right, man? Yes, I did see a lot of him. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Where but not was on that? a football pitch? Okay. Um, but it did involve a tackle. I see. Okay. Well, we'll move on, eh? But that's a positive thing for for Burnley. They're hard to beat, and when they put balls into the box, it challenges defences who aren't used to having to deal with lots of balls into the box, and that's where Southampton really came unstuck. Okay, let's know the rest of the games this weekend. All ended in draws. Daniel, you went along to the one at the King Power. Leicester against a Wolves side freshly returned from Armenia. Yeah, they got back on Friday morning. 
the Europa League will harm Wolves, but actually at this stage of the season it helps them because it means they've played competitive football when nobody else has and legs are still fresh. The, the main the, the takeaway for me for the game, the thing I wrote about, was, was Kaglas Yonku at, at centre-back for Leicester, who there was obviously lots of rumours linking Leicester with buying Lewis Dunk or James Tarkovsky to replace Harry Maguire. Actually, they signed Sionku for £19 million last summer from Freiburg. He only played in six games, only started four but he was magnificent yesterday. Was he? He kind of stepping into the breach in that he is the Maguire, that big presence in terms of heading everything clear and kicking the ball literally out of the King Power Stadium at one point. Really? Literally kicked the ball yeah, out of the Yeah, which I've never, seen, I've never seen at the King Power, someone getting it over the main stand, but he That's did it. That's brilliant. He's also, and looking at the pictures anyway, his head seems to be of a similar dimension. It is dimension. quite big, yeah. He's actually, he's one of those players that, when you see him on and off the pitch, he looks massive. Apparently, he's only six foot two, but he comes across as he's got a big frame. He's, he looks like a, a rugby player. Um, and he's, he's a weird one in that he's played 24 times for senior level for Turkey, but barely played much at club level, certainly in England. So, but yeah, he looked, he looked really good. Okay. Palace Everton also finished goalless. Zaha getting a uh, late appearance in that game against the team that he almost joined on deadline day. And oh, footy analysis has a bone to pick. Apparently, we said that Everton didn't have a back line. Well, somebody did, but whoever they were, they were wrong, says footy analysis. Uh, Everton were only second to Man City in terms of clean sheets in the calendar year so far. Mm. And they had, they had Kurt Zuma at the heart of their defence for, for much of that. Mm. Remarkably, we yes. did We did say last week that they had Idrissa Gay as well last season, who was really, really good. So Morgan Schneidlin playing that role on Saturday didn't work quite as well. No, ended in a red card for the Frenchman. And the points also shared at the Vitality Stadium, Bournemouth against Sheffield United, the much-touted Sheffield United. Did they live up to the hype? Well, they, they, they got a point which, from the looks of the highlights, they uh, they thoroughly deserved. Uh, I think we were all delighted to see Billy Sharp score. If you, if you don't love Billy Sharp, then then football's not the game for you. I would I would proffer. Why, and Matt? Why? Just because he plays with a joie de vivre, which you don't see much these days. And when he scored a goal for um, two-time European champions, Nottingham Forest, he celebrated by taking a bite out of a supporter's hot dog. And I think... We can all get on board with that kind of uh, Very much interaction. So. And there he was straight into the into the Sheffield United fans when he scored. And there aren't going to be many people from this point who score in all four divisions of English football. Uh, and, he, and he's one of them. I wonder if you can stare down a hungry King Billy as effectively as you can. <laughs> a I, I'm seagull. not sure about that seagull thing, James, to be honest. I think I'm not sure what the I, I watched it. Yeah, I watched it on BBC News. It's, it's legit. And, and yep. yeah, it was a strong sign. Did, what, what footage did they have to illustrate the story? Uh, they were just speaking to a, a seagull expert. Oh, wow. BBC Definitely going to say they were speaking to a seagull. <laughs> Definitely yeah. thought but that. a seagull expert. Uh, yeah, uh, well, uh, maybe covers other birds as well for right, business okay. reasons. But yeah, a seagull expert. Brilliant. Um, but there wasn't the footage of somebody true. staring down a seagull. No, it's but just the same is going to be true of bears. Um, but it's yeah. when you get in that situation, do you remember it? Having recently it? been in bear country, of course. you maintain eye contact. It, mm. But I don't think you want to stare. You, you don't want to seem threatening. So you, you, and, and you make yourself big in the in time-honoured football fashion and slowly back away mom, while maintaining eye contact. Mm. How do you maintain eye contact while not staring? Is there a difference? Well, look, I'm looking at you now. I'm maintaining, am I staring? Mm. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's a bit creepy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listener. I believe it's uh, the same for cows. You stare down cows if they're marauding. Do cows maraud? I don't know. I don't know that that works. Like cows are really dangerous. Yeah, they as, are. Yeah. As everybody knows. Uh, as is John Fleck, the Scottish <laughs> Wayne Rooney. Uh, Andy Murray. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, he's kind of he's he's vital to to how they play the sort of multifunctional uh, midfielder that can get forward and support attacks if necessary. But also when you know the centre packs overlap, which is a phrase that we're going to have to get used to saying a lot this season. Uh, we'll sit in alongside Norwood and sort of uh, take the fleck for the rest nice. of the. Uh, um, uh, attacking players. Uh, it was going disappointing forward. actually, having heard so much about the overlapping centre halves, to not really see them at work on that because on the highlights they don't show that kind of thing. Yeah, and they'll do it more. Uh, it's more of a proactive thing. They'll do it. They'll do it at home. I suspect when they have more a bit more of the ball. Okay. Yeah, it, I think look out for that. Three of their next four games are at home to Palace, Leicester, and Southampton. So mm. uh, opportunities to to see the overlapping centre backs in effect in those perhaps. There was a little bit of it from uh, from O'Connell down the down the left to sort of budget Giorgio Chiellini, swinging the occasional uh, ball in. But mm. um, yeah, 
Nice. Very good. That was the weekend then in the Premier League. Let's now get some odds. Over to you, producer Ben. Thank you very much, Jimbo. Lee Price is on the line. He's from Paddy Power. And Lee, what a fantastic opening weekend to the Premier League it was. Um, let's start with City, the champions. Uh, can you have some numbers, please, on them scoring more goals than they did last season? Well, I guess it depends if they get two chances at every penalty they get this season. Uh, actually, the price here, very short. It's just 3-10 to 10 that they score 96 or more Premier League goals. To score more than 100 Premier League goals is 8-11, to 11, so also odds on. They look like they're on fire this season, although we are just one game in, of course. Brighton's 3-0 win at Watford was one of the surprises of the weekend. A very fine performance it was from Graham Potter's people. Um, can we have the odds, please, on them staying up? Yeah, we think they'll stay up. It's 2-9 to nine odds on they avoid relegation. A chunky 3-1 to one they go down. And only a slightly longer price, 7-2, to two, that they finish in the top half. Our odds put them 15th in the table this season. And sticking with teams beginning with B, what about Burnley? They were also 3-0 winners. Can they finish in the top half this season? They're less fancy than Brighton. Uh, they're 5-1 to one to finish in the top 10, something with a voice like his surely Sean Dyche would have always fancied. They're 5-2 to two to go down. Um, so when I bastardise the scientific process our odds compilers use, that means we think they'll finish roughly 16th. Cheers, guys. And finally, it's Liverpool versus Chelsea in the Super Cup this Wednesday. What's going to happen here in Istanbul? clear favourites here although that happens a lot when Liverpool play these days it's 8-11 the Reds win the Super Cup it's 7-2 that Chelsea win it or penalties which I'm sure everyone will be delighted to see is 11-2 you can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app terms and conditions apply and when the fun stops stop same as him man on the wing and he got one man that just been him he wearing Gucci so we Gucci, he got to know me, I'll drink him to say, say Maximus, on the way, and he got two men down just being Well, it's all gone very actual this week. That's Mick C, on the strength of one game, has already busted out with the San Maximin Toonami uh, number there. I'm not sure what actually it's called. I'm not sure it matters either, but uh, the people are getting very excited about him, not least when... He pulled off that remarkable move. He was on the ground, and then all of a sudden he was on his feet. What happened there? Uh, he, he, uh, just, he had been tackled, and then all of a sudden, sort of body pop, flips himself up. Uh, I believe, Matt, this is a wrestling thing. Yeah, it's called a kip-up. Um, so Sam Maxim might be the, uh, the heartbreak kid for Newcastle United because it was a move made famous really by Shawn Michaels, eight in later years by... Is he uh, called the heartbreak Sigler. kid in wrestling? The heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Very good at a kip-up uh, with Shawn. Right. But as you say, also it comes from the streets, really. It comes from the streets. Just like all of us, James. Yeah. All right, nice one. Many thanks to Uday for sending that in. If you're a fan of you know French footballers and all their fineries, then do make sure you join us on Tuesday for uh, the next edition of the Totally Football Show. Julien Laurent will be telling us all about the opening weekend of Ligue 1, which featured a bit of a hammering for poor Andre Villas-Boas and Monaco in all sorts of trouble. And we'll be talking about the rest of Europe as well. I bet we'll touch on what's going on in Belgium. Have you been across this, Matt? I saw that Saido Berahino scored a goal. He did, on his debut. Saido Berahino. Take that, Glenn Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. And uh, Vincent Company is uh, not having the best of times it's... at Anderlecht. But, but... Do you know who his number two is, Anderlecht? It's Craig Bellamy, isn't it? It is. Mm. He's also used, I saw he he's used 22 different players in three games, which yep. seems... Uh, Seems like a manager hasn't necessarily got to grips with this squad yet. Well, as Raud points out, it's the Thierry Henry approach, uh, the same way that he began his ill-fated stint at Monaco. Anyway, you can hear much more about all that kind of thing in our Tuesday Totally show. What's I can still that? see Vincent Company lifting the title for Manchester City come May. Uh, he oh, gets, what, you mean coming? He gets, yeah, he gets the boot for Mandelect and is therefore a free transfer agent and Man City still need a bit of backup and he's good to have around and get him back in, wouldn't you? Clip that one up, producer Ben, for our end of season review. 
<laughs> Look at this fool. <laughs> Andy, you're fluent in Spanish and are a regular on La Liga TV. So they say. Do you know when you're actually starting there? Have they worked out when the season's going to start? <laughs> it's Spain. Um, you know, they're, uh, they have only just recently decided that they're not going to play on Mondays, but they might play on Fridays. Okay. And it might start on Friday, but it might not. Well, it says here uh, that the 16th, that's this Friday, is Athletic Bilbao against Barcelona. So according to Google, it's on. Uh, according to Google is probably about as good as you can hope for with right. uh, with okay. uh, with Spanish football uh, often. Uh, they only decided late last week that they're not going to play on Mondays anymore, uh, but they might play on Fridays. So they'll probably play on Friday. Okay. Um, but the conditional tense is very important in, in yeah. Spanish, which is something that might or may happen at some point in the future. And they use that a lot. So um, I think they need a reason to use that particular tense that doesn't oh, really, right. yeah, perfect for really exist with... in, this, uh, in this country. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No better tense for talking about, or no better case, I guess, for talking about La Liga fixtures. They're underway in Scotland and Rangers set new records mm. in their defeat of Hibs. They had six goals from 33 shots. 18 of the 33 were on target. They generated 85% of the shots and 82% of the shots on target. That's phenomenal. The, I believe that's the most uh, shots and shots on target in a SPL game since 2001. By a, by a home team, yeah, yeah absolutely. Which is, uh, I mean, it, it is a little bit ridiculous in that Celtic have scored, I think, six and five. And Rangers have won just away and then scored six at home. I mean, it is going to be an, a ridiculous two-horse race, that one, this season. If you fancy hearing more about said ridiculous two-horse race, <laughs> Friday will bring you the Totally Scottish Football Show. Pochettino calling Premier League clubs sitting ducks because the transfer window is still open till the end of the month and beyond in um, most of the big European leagues. You can still sign free agents, though, in the Premier League. So, well, first of all, who do you think, apart from the likes of Ericsson, is there anyone else particularly at risk of, of, of being pecked off by a Seagull-esque foreign club? I suppose Paul Pogrub is the only other huge name who may be at risk. But I, uh, the problem now is that although they are, Ericsson is a different case, but the problem is, is that Premier League clubs value their players so highly now that the reality is, is that for most clubs, English clubs are the only ones that can afford them. Right. Um, you know, you look at someone like James Tarkovsky, he's a very good defender that clubs might want, but at 50, 60 million pounds, no one outside the Premier League is going to buy him. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it's a case of Premier League clubs trimming their squads uh, off their own bat rather rather than people coming and pinching their players. You think, you know, if you, if you look at, say, the Chelsea squad, which didn't have Davide Zappacosta and Timo Bakayoko in it this weekend, you think they'd be right for moves but won't be particularly missed. And I think it'll be those kind of players. Uh, Jan Vertonghen maybe is an interesting one. Didn't get in the Spurs squad at the weekend. Mm. Maybe there's something going on there. But, but yeah, it feels like maybe it's a bit too late for a you know a Pogba deal would seem to take months to put into place and maybe there's not the time to do that so I wouldn't expect any any shock departures I'll ask the the folks on that on our European Tuesday edition we'll see what they they say meantime Premier League sides can still sign free agents interesting players that are available Andy <laughs> the likes of Fernando Lorente Sturridge Daniel Sturridge Mario Balotelli Frank Ribéry, who's being strongly linked with Fiorentina at the moment. Martin Skirtle was, but he's now joined Atlanta. We're going to be in the Champions League for the first time ever. Hatton Benarfa's out there. Claudio Marquisio, Johan Kabay. Wow, some really good names, if it was still kind of mid-noughties. And, uh, yeah, Jack Robwell, Lee Catamore. Anyone know that? that Fabio, I saw Fabio Contrao as well was oh, another yeah. one. But You'd think that somebody like Southampton might pick up Daniel Sturridge. That might be... A relatively sensible move if 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 they could keep him fit. He certainly think he's he's good enough for a, a Premier League yeah, squad. I agree with that. Yeah. Mm. Good shout. Bournemouth got Surridge, which really confused me. <laughs> yeah. If you were a striker out of contract, you would feel a little bit aggrieved that Andy Carroll has managed to get himself a a new deal, even if only on a pay as you play deal. While you haven't, that might be a slightly bitter pill to swallow. Was that? I, I felt that was that was more of a symbolic gesture, a little bit like raising the you know. The yeah, kind of, I mean, everyone was saying colours. Uh, they're all saying you know you forget what he can be here, and it's like the reason you forget is because it was eight years ago. <laughs> right, Fair and point. his knee injured for a month. He's injured for a month. Yeah. Yes. Oh really? Yeah. Yes. So he's not lost it. Good. <laughs> 
Okay, excellent. But watching watching him head a football is one of the purest pleasures in <laughs> uh, in in football. It's glorious. The thing. swing of the ponytail as well as oh yeah, when, the, when head meets ball. Yeah, magnificent. Very good. Uh, okay, well that wraps it up for this edition of the Totally Football Show. Daniel, you're off to write things. Matt, you're going to say things probably. Mm. You, you're commentating on Wednesday night. On Wednesday night, yeah, but uh, it'll be uh, catching up with SummerSlam this afternoon. Obviously. Oh, great. Yeah. All right, super. And Andy, uh, if people want to follow you but don't want to get that other Andy Murray, <laughs> what's the Twitter handle? Andy underscore Murray FFT. Brilliant. Okay. Excellent. Very good. We're back on Thursday with Michael Cox. Oh, Duncan Alexander's in. And also Jack Lang. As I mentioned, European show will be here on Tuesday on this same feed. Uh, totally Football League show is around on Wednesday and Scotland gets its uh, Totally show on Friday. Have a splendid week, listener. See you on Tuesday. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.